0: In an odd sort of way, any time that we're invited into someone else's life, we have an impact, and it might almost be an intrusion. If we're invited to help bless their lives, or we're going to force ourselves in, or we're going to try and persuade them in some way, we'd better be invited. We'd better be welcomed. Uh, Otherwise, it becomes more of an intrusion, uh, an unwelcome intrusion when we do that. The process of changing another soul. Whether it's for gospel purposes or to try and sell them a car, still involves getting people to do something different than they're doing right now. That's the exact task that was faced, that Ammon was faced with, as he's trying somehow to change the nature and the behavior and the beliefs of a group of bloodthirsty Lamanites way back when. Join us today for this interesting discussion about. How we change other people, how we persuade, and if we would lead them to righteousness, as Joseph Smith said, we better know what we're talking about. Thanks for joining us today. And welcome to another Monday morning Book of Mormon class with Kevin Hinckley. Recorded live, we dive deeply and deliberately into this inspired scripture. How far we get in one class depends a lot on the material and the doctrines left for us by ancient prophets. A single chapter may occupy one class or many. Of course, opinions expressed by the teacher or the class members do not constitute official church doctrines. Join us in this adventure and discover the hidden treasures found within his pages. And now, On to the class. All right. And uh, Uh, welcome to class. Uh, Interesting, as as I was looking at, we have this fun episode now in in the Book of Mormon where uh, we've had, we've got Alma's teaching and we've got, Ammon's teaching, and I want to I want to compare and contrast a little bit uh, how they did this, um, and, and I want I want to kind of approach it this way. Isn't it interesting that uh, we've talked about this a little bit in the past? The word atonement is actually was not used in the church for a thousand years, a little over a thousand years. Uh, The word atonement was created by uh, William Tinsdale, uh, and he was, what, in 14th century, I think? uh, And he was trying to describe what he was seeing in the Greek. So... Wasn't
1: he a bad person? Didn't the Catholics kill
0: him? Tinsdale, yes, uh, Church of England did. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we, we like Tinsdale, right? because uh, he was finally trying to translate it into the common tongue uh, the the vulgate get it out of the vulgate into the into English right so he's looking at words and he's trying to create words and he did things like the still small voice that's Tinsdale in his alliteration of trying to form words uh, but for but for a thousand years for for uh, the apostles for Paul for the early church fathers uh, they talked instead about the savior's great reconciliation that that's the word reconciliation the reconciliation of christ uh, one of the downsides of of the word atonement is sometimes as as somebody put it that the in the word atonement we see it almost as the tool and the means by which things Happened the, the Savior's great sacrifice, his atonement is like the the way it happens. With with uh, reconciliation, the term reconciliation is like the end result. The goal is the great reconciliation. Now, if you think about it, uh, so so what it's talking about is basically we have uh, our heavenly parents, and then there's us in mortality. And and the purpose of the Savior's great uh, sacrifice, the things that He did, was first of all, we're going to find out that the great reconciliation, what we call the atonement, is is vertical, but it's also horizontal. Vertical meaning that one of the purposes of of the the Savior's sacrifice was to take those of us in a fallen state in mortality and reconcile return us to our heavenly parents to and so doing everything possible to to change us and place us in a position where we are comfortable living in their presence where in our mortal fallen state uh the the most hellish thing that god could do is say I'm going to take you and immediately you get to go straight back to God. You know, you take somebody who is not really living a real godly life and say, great, I get to go back to God. It's a little bit like taking a criminal and saying, awesome, let's go have you sit with the chief of police <laughs> or hang out with the FBI. You know, just like, well, I'm not comfortable yet to be here. OK, Uh And so the the Savior's uh, sacrifice meant that his purpose was to reconcile us with our heavenly parents, meaning prepare us, get us ready for, to be able to to live. Does does that make sense? Okay. Now, at the same time as that, so we have this vertical thing. We're connected. We're going to be changed and transformed to be with our heavenly parents. The, the great reconciliation is also horizontal, meaning that we're going to be reconciled to one another. And think about the terms that we use. For instance, if we're going to be, if a, if a man and wife are going to go to the temple and be reconciled using the power of the atonement, that means that they're going to be, the, the term we use is what? Sealed. Connected, welded together, right? So we have taken two different people and brought them together through the power of Christ. And it's one of the things you're going to hear in the temple, the changes they've made. There is a greater emphasis on where Christ enters into the whole thing, where before it was symbolic and it was there. It's just more obvious. And they're going to they're make sure they point that out. Okay. So, so part of that reconciliation is us with our, uh, we're sealed to our family. Our, our our children are born under the what? Covenant, which is powered by the Savior's reconciliation, Savior's atonement. We, we're going to, our family will be ours, okay? Now, isn't it interesting also, though, though that this isn't just limited to families, is it? Think about Enoch and he is, and he is, he's saving himself and then he's saving his family. And then what's his next step? His community, right? So in other words, they're saying, so, so in the city of Enoch, I don't think we don't have the particulars on this, but I don't think it's as, as people became God-like or Christ-like that they were like flung up one at a time. Like sometimes is is portrayed, that they were actually reconciled. Yeah, than other people, absolutely. Yep, 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 yep. But the initial one was, yeah, the the, the city together. So part of part of the purpose of the great atonement then is to reconcile societies, uh, larger groups. Uh, that we are to be one and that's why a Zion community or the law of consecration or anything is built on the idea of uh, reconciling which means and we have a few of those instances like we get to fourth Nephi and one of the things that is reconciled is the fact that we the principles will be lived so that there are no poor and that we are all working together and that we have come we are at one, and again, that was the that was what Tinsdale was trying to put was the at oneing, the coming together, the reconciling of of all of that. Okay, uh, so so when we're we're looking at what the what the Savior is at work doing on both sides of the veil. Oh, which is by the way is another one, right? The 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 temple serves as a purpose of the Savior's atonement, to reconcile us with who? Our dead. And reaching out across the veil so that we're able to then be uh, exalted and transformed and changed to, to being with Heavenly Parents. Okay? Kind of fun, huh? We don't always see the expansiveness of how what the Savior sacrificed, because so often, especially in traditional Christianity, uh, and I was talking to, to some people the other day about this, where in traditional Christianity, the, the emphasis is on saving who? ourselves. It's simply, I am saved. Are you saved? I'm saved. Good. We're saved, you know? And, and so a, a church, for all of its wonderfulness in so many settings, is a group of saved people, but saved individuals. About me. it is about the me yeah and i'm i'm saved but i sorry you're going to hell because <laughs> you're not going to make it because you didn't accept jesus or, or something like that and so uh, so th- there might be some effort I mean, there is effort to uh evangelize to get people to come to christ but it's so they can be individually saved where one of the expansive ideas and understandings that we have is this ability to say we are like Joseph Smith says uh, in in one twenty eight, we without them cannot be made perfect. That we are made perfect, and so if if we're trying to save ourselves and we're leaving our family behind, we can't yet be made perfect because the atonement, the reconciliation, was to be horizontal families and societies as well. Okay so that said um so if we take that idea then he so so this is this is like human behavior one o one i wanna start with this idea of uh kind of what we do uh philosophically with one another, and you'll see how it all kind of comes together now let, let let me back up for just a sec so so let, let's say, um, Sister Hales, that uh, you live inside your world. You have your things you believe, things you do, things that you own, your daily patterns, your daily habits, and I've got mine. In that sense, we're kind of two individual type people, okay? Now, at some point, though, especially if we're uh, going about the work of trying to be Christ-like, somehow I have to influence you. I've got to, I've got to somehow step into your world a little bit and try and convince you to change what you think or what you're doing or what you want. Uh, so so in, that, in that process, think about what we might do in order to change the thinking or actions of other people. Our job is stepping into somebody else's world and getting them to alter something about themselves. Okay, kind of a big step. It's almost a, uh, I I noticed that uh, uh, dear President Putin, notice he he said, uh, we're we're deciding whether we should roll back the boundaries of Poland. Okay, (laughs) you know, it's like, we're gonna, we're gonna change. We, we, those boundaries are here, and we're thinking that we might. We're not encroaching. We're just. We're not going to war. We're just rolling back, and and now the Soviet Union will start here, and Poland will start here. That's an influence, I think. Yeah.
2: So you were saying influencer, That
0: is a word that the young. Oh, big time. And I think that's why the missionaries when they
2: use social media, that some of their. Um, videos or whatever, are influencers. Yeah. I think because those people make money off of what they do, but they have all these people that they, like, sway to do it. They're like a product. They're selling a product.
0: Or yes, something. yes.
2: And if you if you say the gospel is an influence, if you could be an influencer for the gospel right, on social media that you came up with something that people
0: would wanna see. Right, but it also, exactly. And so that I love that term influencer, which means, th- think about what that means. That means I'm gonna do something and you're gonna look at what I'm doing or what I'm saying or something like that. And in exchange for that, you're going to give me some of your time and you might change what you think or what you say or what you wear or what you buy Based on, because I'm doing it. And then what do you get out of it? Money. The more of us viewing your stuff, then you get money based on that. So it's like sometimes, so we get this exchange. I'm going to influence you. You're willing. And by the way, nobody says you have to watch my videos. So this is a voluntary choice on your part to be influenced by me. Because you like what I'm saying. It's like the softness of ancient uh, so it can a
2: way. I mean, you could influence for good. Are they a soft way in for evil?
0: It's so true. It's so true.
1: So you're saying you get money for it. And that's potentially true. Yeah. But uh, influencing is priestcraft. It is. And so you can get money, but you can also just get the fact that you have influence. And that gives you a feeling of power
0: and respect right. and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, but isn't it interesting? As short and and you're you're using a really good example. It, it is priestcraft, but at what point does it become conversion? What's the difference between influencing and priestcraft and influencing for cause, because you're you're going to hell and I'd like to bring you back, kind of thing. Yeah. For instance, parents have kids, kids are making bad choices. Yes. Parents want to explain to them what will be the ultimate consequences and they want to accelerate consequences so that the kids can kind of get the
1: idea, oh, this is bad or, oh, this is good, I should do more of this. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, so my, my, my point is the acceleration of consequences is something that people often try and do in order to influence.
0: Oh I' there's no question and yeah i I've told this story before that i've had I've had people in my office that'll come and say, "I just can't get my kid to do his homework. We've been trying and we and I said, I can solve that i I have a sure proof way for your kid to do his homework. Awesome, what's that? Use a taser <laughs> really? Yeah, are you not doing his homework? Tase the snot right out of him, man. And they're like, well, that's abusive. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> is, that, is that going to uh, have long-term consequences? Oh, no question. Will CPS show up? They could. <laughs> if your sole purpose is to get them to do their homework, I promise you, tasing works. Now, at, but but how long does it work? I don't know. I mean, I've
1: seen of people, and their sole purpose was to get somebody out of their car, and tasing, right? and tasing didn't
0: work. So, yeah, uh, well, that's true. some of them are immune to the tasing, right? But but a 16-year-old kid that is just being a jerk, <laughs> tasing works. Okay, now, will tasing work next week? Probably not. Why? Yes, they left. because <laughs> so sometimes what works so what works in the short run means that they'll either leave home or call CPS or, or just start lying like a rug. Oh, yeah, it's done. Homework's all done, man. and it's done. so So sometimes that influencing that we try and do, if it is done in a in a coercive destructive, violent sort of way, it will work in the short run and doesn't work in the long run. I see, I see a number of kids that are great students in high school and bum out and college big time. What happened? And they didn't know what to do with the freedom, right? Why were they successful in high school? Parents were there to make sure everything happened. That that's right. So they were gonna control in the short run, is it sustainable? Not until they know what to do with the freedom and how to yeah, self-regulate themselves, right? Themselves. They didn't learn, they just did, and they avoided consequences of of not, yeah.
1: Over the years I've this a lot of you to typically frequently complain about the rules parents have for. Yeah.
0: That's a great question. And I say, you,
1: when the day comes and your rules are better than theirs, you won't have any static time
0: anymore. Yeah, but you're, they're having to set rules because you won't or because they believe you won't. And they're not going to give them a shot at, um, uh, I've, I've, I've mentioned too, I've got, I've got parents that are, their son is struggling big time with pornography. And they're making sure that he doesn't look at pornography by over controlling everything that he watches and, and all the way through. Well, he's now he's like 17 and he's telling me, yeah, I'm figuring out ways to get around that. So it,
1: it sounds like he's
0: not struggling with pornography. No, he's, he's not, he's fine. Yeah, because now it's the forbidden thing and I really wanna do this. And I said to his parents, yeah, but you're about to ship him off to BYU. And now he's gonna have a little freedom. Well, no, he's not. Really? Oh no, we're going to continue to control his phone and everything that we're doing while he's as at BYU. I'm like, oh, that'll work. <laughs> and 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 the son is going, oh yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so, so. And then the alternative, I knew people when I was at BYU who would call their parent every day to yes. ask permission. Right. And these are the same people that then get married, and they've got to call mom every single day because they don't know what to do about anything. In other words, there was no growth. There was no learning. It's just parents have the answer, and I'm just going to continue to be. So so part of this challenge is, uh, again, think about what we do on a regular basis. You guys have your own life. I've got mine. And yet on a regular basis, we're forever trying to get people around us to convert or follow, or buy, or sell, or stop doing that, uh, or motivate them, or alter, or rethink, or begin, or feel, or stop feeling, or learn, or change, or move, or avoid. I mean, we're we're trying to get people with agency to do something different. And it's it it's just the, the endless challenge of how to, how, First of all, can we do it? And first of all, should we be doing it? Because, guys, I, I make a living because people are saying there's something going on in my life in terms of what I'm feeling or what I'm doing. And I need your help in helping me do something different. Now, that's not me dragging people in and saying you must listen or you must change. It's people saying I don't like what I'm doing. I want you to influence me in some way or help me see things differently so that I can influence. But but I'm being invited into that space. I, I can't I can't barge in, walk into your house, and say, I'm gonna tell you, and you gotta do something different, violently, or by persuasion, or something like that. Okay? Yeah? I was just gonna say that the scripture says no power or influence can or Hold on to that. We're going there. But it does give a prescription of how you influence Yeah. how
1: you attempt to
0: influence, not that it's going to be guaranteed to work. That's right. Well, right, right. So, so for, and I I guess, I guess the other way of saying that uh, is that if I were, if I were to come over to to you guys' house and say, uh, I stay on the outside until you invite me in. Now, just the fact that you've invited me into your house doesn't mean i'm automatically invited into your bedroom or into your study and just because i might happen to be invited in there because you want to show me something doesn't mean i'm invited into your closet (laughs) or to rummage through your drawers our invitation is we're going to let people into our space even if we're inviting but to a certain place now if you're going to invite, if I happen to be, this is I'd be the last person to do this, but you're going to say, you know what, you're a great organizer, and I want you to come into my house and organize my drawers and my closets. Guess what? Now I have been invited into your bedroom, into your closet, into your drawers, but I'm only there because I was asked to be there. So the challenge, can you see the challenge? The challenge is that we are asked somehow to either be influenced, or influence somebody else, but only by invitation. Now, I could come into your house because I'm wielding a gun. Yes, and and I'm just rolling back the boundaries of the street. (laughs) My my house is here and I'm including your living room in my my domain. (laughs) And and in case you're not willing to wanna do that very much, I did bring a gun. I'm just kindly I just your living room will be better under my influence than it has been under yours. You use the wrong color paint. So <laughs> so I'm rolling back your boundaries, but you're saying no, I don't want you to roll back my bound. Yeah, I've got a gun. So I'm gonna do it forcefully. Yeah. So um, in Hamilton, that's why we love this one so much from because I will send a battalion yes. like that, my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> To remind you of my love, <laughs> da, da 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 Yeah, <laughs> the 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 British forces are just coming in lovingly to roll back boundaries. <laughs> uh, there, there's a song that the uh, that uh, the senior saints, I don't know if they still do it in Nauvoo. The the Nauvoo uh, Rendezvous. The sis, the senior saints have this little show, and and there comes a point in the show. One of the songs that they sing is that they now have to leave Nauvoo, and mm-hmm. and and one of the songs is, are we going? They're going, we're going to go willingly, because we have to. <laughs> willingly, because we have to. <laughs> so good, yeah.
2: She got in trouble in that fight. But at that first year, I was like, Oh, are my socks folded just one? I don't want her Miss Gillespie coming in and throwing
0: my stuff all over the country. She got away with that was a small tank. Yeah. For two or years Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so ultimately, um, we're having to take a look if we're gonna have some influence, especially if we think that our influence what we're thinking or saying or doing is going to make your life better, then we have to decide what works and what doesn't work. Again, tasing works in the short run. Unless they're just really, really resistant. But tasing generally works, even the threat of tasing often works. But doesn't work in the long run and it's having that longer view of things uh, that, that makes the difference. Okay. Yeah, cattle, I, I remember, even as a city boy, I remember going down to the church ranch in, in South Dallas and being on prod duty. And a lot of those, those steers coming through weren't really anxious to get their immunizations and it was our job to say, okay, when they're not moving, <laughs> stick the prod through. And it's funny, they were motivated by that. <laughs> uh, but then they're forever, uh, our, our, our dog at, at home, we try and convince her not to bark a lot. Sometimes she'll bark. But then we've got the little collar that gives her a little zap. And, all, and it's funny, all you have to do is put the collar on. You don't even have to use it. You just, sometimes it's just that. <laughs> it's called, it's called conditioning. It, it works really well. Uh, okay. So there's a lot of things that work in the short run, but they're not, they're not uh, sustainable. So when we take a look at this, look at what's happened here. If we just kind of take a step back, premortal counsel, our heavenly parents from their love sought to transform us from intelligences to spirits to exalted beings like themselves. That was their goal. They knew what they knew. They knew we would be better by being changed to become more like them. That means that they were going to step into our world and say, we're going to do something. We're going to change things. But it was, it, why, why was it done as a council and not just as a command? Because we have choice, right? I'm going to give you your agency, and then you can choose whether you're going to sustain the plan. And and we kind of like the plan enough because Job says, "We shouted for joy. Yes, this is this is what we want. Change us." Okay, here's how, here's how this works. So so they were going to come into our the the how God was going to work is we're going to be changed here. Uh, so, really, the great plan of salvation is a plan of transformation with our consent. That will eternally expand our agency. One of the one of the the uh, as we've talked about, one of the the uh, attributes of God is that God has more agency than we do because He understands more choices than we do. There's a lot of other things involved, but really, our agency gets expanded um uh, because of the transformation we become more like them okay so so then so then we have this moment so now we have a war in heaven though if there's going to be agency if there's going to be a possibility of choices then there's going to be a conflict of ideas there's going to be a conflict and and sometimes people will come into my office and say well I'm just kind of Conflict avoidant. I don't like conflict. Well, okay, that boy, does that come at a cost? Conflict doesn't have to be angry and violent and destructive, but if we're going to avoid all conflict, there's a lot of growth that's not going to happen. If you're going to avoid conflict, never go to a gym, because <laughs> every time you're going to pick up a weight, a weight's going to push back against you. The <laughs> we, we 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 used to be in a ward, Cindy and I, where the state president was banned from church basketball. <laughs> just he just could never get past the conflict thing, and the the rest didn't do things the way he thought that they should <laughs> yeah, with blood <laughs> um, No, the war of conflict was a was a conflict of ideas we're going to be changed this plan's this plan has been presented other oh, parts of this plan i don't like i think there's a better way to do it so it was a conflict of ideas that would cha- a change would occur and who would direct it how this would be done that's, that's what the war in heaven really really was and who's going to influence who we're going to influence and obviously the the vast majority shouted for joy and saw that uh, both the father's plan and who would be who was volunteering to administer Jehovah was it, was in line with the way that it, it needed to be, and and there was a third, uh, at least a third, that said, "No, I can't handle that." And we talk about them being cast down, and Scripture says they were cast down. Our I think our experience lately is that if somebody if somebody in the church doesn't like what's going on. Do we generally have to cast people out of the church? They leave. I'm that's this is stupid. I'm not I'm out of here. But if you're
1: talking location, they're cast down to the same place we were cast down
0: to. Yeah, they ended up being down here anyway, right? We're gonna we're gonna do it by compulsion. We're gonna take over the bodies created for Adam and Eve. That's and that's a violent overthrow. We're gonna roll back our boundaries.
1: Thank yeah. Could I share a different model of yeah yeah it says a third part okay and so if i take a pie chart i can take a little teeny slice of pie and i'll label that the noble and great ones. yeah and i'll take another little teeny slice of pie and noble that satan and his followers and then the the other slice of pie is as most of us maybe some of us are the noble and great ones maybe all of us are yeah but The size of those slices, they're still three parts. And so... That's
0: uh, cool. That's cool.
1: Our agency, by the way, God did not give us our agency. He gave us moral agency. Right. But we always had agency as intelligences. As intelligences. He never took agency away. The first time that it was proposed for us to have our agency uh, remitted, was uh, when
0: Lucifer came up with his plan. To yeah, a- See, and, that, and that's why, and, and by and large, I agree with that. I just think that part of why I like the idea of the, the, the one of the goals of the uh, plan of salvation was that we would have that agency expanded and to push back against the plan was to have your agency constricted. Okay, so... Uh, so we're going to so this battle, which was a two two groups trying to influence each other. This wasn't fought with cannons and swords. This was ideas. OK. And with, at the end, there was a large group that was no longer there. However, they got there. I think a third is kind of metaphorical,
1: by the way. It's a third part. And, and so it's not a, a fraction.
0: Yeah. Yes. So it could be. A fraction. It could be. OK, so. So now we get to this point. So how did Joseph Smith put it? I mean, here's a guy that was on the earth and he's just wanting to know where's the best place to go. He didn't like his sins. He's been influenced by what he's hearing. And he's a little worried about his own salvation. Been in enough, listened in enough tent revival meetings. Here's what he said. He said, thy mind, O man, If thou wilt lead a man unto salvation, if you will influence them to salvation, you're going to step into their world and they're going to somehow, you're going to lead. You're not forcing. God can force no man, right? You're going to lead them to salvation. Cool, okay? If you would lead them to salvation, and we might look at it from from our present standpoint, and go, if we would lead a man to salvation, boy, we got to be really good at what we say, or my PowerPoints have got to be really, really good, uh, or I'm going to control or, or get good in my selling tactics. We, we get all of these elements of this thing where we're saying, uh, if, if you're going to lead a man to salvation, look at where Joseph goes with this. If you want to influence your kids, Influence your Sunday school class. Influence your grandkids. If you're going to influence your neighbors, you're going to lead them to salvation. What are you going to do? Anybody know what the next line is? Well. I don't know where at first. See, that's the we don't way. Understand
1: where, what they
0: understand. Yeah. And that's kind of where my my mind went, especially when we start taking a look at Ammon. But but look at where, where Joseph goes with this. Thy man, thy mind, O man, if thou wilt lead a man of salvation, must stretch as high as the utmost heavens and search into and contemplate the darkest abyss and the broad expanses of eternity. Wow. It's interesting that he goes there. Thou must commune with God. So he's saying if you would influence, if you would bring along a society, bring along your family, influence somebody for good so that their lives will be better, where do you start? With God and what we know, and learning and understanding. Nobody is more dangerous than somebody's trying to influence with about 5% information. <laughs>
1: That's what
0: Lucifer was doing. Yeah, absolutely was. He, he didn't have that. He didn't
1: understand God's
0: the, the mind, And it says the mind of God, right? Right.
1: And, and neither did we. We were given enough information to make an informed choice. We weren't given
0: all the information. I, 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 always, I always grin a little bit when I'll have someone come in my office and they'll say, um, my husband is driving me nuts. Um, I talked to my sister, and she had a couple of psychology classes in college Uh (laughs) uh-oh, or I've been researching online. Oh, that's good. (laughs) You know, it's just like a little bit of information is, is so dangerous, especially if we won't learn. If we're going to say, I now know the gospel, I know the answer, I don't want to learn anything else. I got all the truth and knowledge I can handle, don't want to learn anything more. Don't teach me anything and and joseph is saying if you would influence you've got to understand better the mind of god you got to be in other words you're trying to you've got to have got to come from a place of knowledge not just um, the the sophists for instance that did all the influencing at the time of the in, in the greek empire they just had some really good sales techniques and really good they, they were good at getting up and moving the people we have a different name for them these days. They're called what? Politicians. <laughs> <laughs> know enough about a, a subject to actually influence and get people to elect them and sustain them and all that kind of stuff. All right. So is that a good setup? Since we're, you know, about three quarters into class. Okay. Okay. So so now, Brent, let's go to your, your thoughts. So, so here's Joseph in his own experience, who has, who is trying to get this church project off the ground, and they're still trying to figure out who's in charge, uh, and and when he's in Kirtland and the brethren are in Missouri, especially far west, there's an understanding that those in far west, that the people in far west thought that they their pre- presidency was equal to Joseph. You're you're the presidency over Kirtland. We're the presidency over Missouri and Zion stuff like that. So we're kind of equal to you and we're in charge and uh, we can do it. We don't have to really listen to Sidney Rigdon and Sidney Rigdon is like, no, you have to listen to me and and and, and by the way, we're being attacked uh, and so the Missouri people said, well, we ought to put our own little mob together and to, if they're going to take our land, we're going to take theirs back. So instead of Joseph going, chill, you know, just be peacemakers, they're like, no, sorry. Uh, the the group that they had there said they burn ours, we burn theirs. You steal our stuff, we'll steal your stuff. Uh, and and it got more and more heated. Um, and by the way, the 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 story that we the, the common story that we have about Thomas Marsh leaving the church, and it was about milk strippings and stuff like that. No. He was angry about the way that they were doing tit-for-tat retributions in there. That was really what drove Thomas Marsh. The milk stripping thing was like the last little piece of that. Okay. All right, so Liberty Jail. So Joseph is now stuck in Liberty Jail. Uh, he's been there for four months. It's March. Uh, he and the brethren put together a letter that goes out to the saints, first part of March, uh, this long letter to the saints like an a like a Pauline epistle, you know. And then Joseph would come in later and say, this was me and this was inspired. And this was me and this was inspired. And this was me and this was inspired. We're going to take all those inspired things together. We're going to package them together. and We're going to get sections 121, 122, 123 that are part of a longer letter. But after his experience of having, why is he in Liberty Jail? Who signed the letter to to Governor Boggs saying the Mormons were dangerous? Who were the signatories on that letter? W.W. W. Phelps. D- D- David Whitmer. Oliver Cowdery. Those that had been almost attacked and threatened in Far West because the some people didn't like what they were doing with the money. Okay, and so they, these guys are dangerous. They signed the letter. Bog sends the militia into far west. So Joseph had been on by he would he been uh, jailed because of the actions of his friends. So here's what he's going to say. We've learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men, as soon as they get a little authority. As they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion in a sense when somebody's influencing us, they have some sense of dominion over us they've got some control sometimes at our behest, but unrighteous dominion we're going to try and control and then uh like you were saying he's going to he's going to lay down here here is the framework by which you will lead the souls of. Of men and women to heaven. Here's how the priesthood is supposed to operate, and not just the priesthood, but uh, the, the priesthood that we all operate under. Right. So here's here's the directions. If you're gonna if you're gonna do this, you're gonna have a little bit of authority or control or uh, persuasion or influence. Then, no power or influence can can or ought to be maintained by virtue of. The priesthood only by what? Persuasion, long suffering, uh, gentleness, meekness, and love unfeigned. Now, if you are again, is this is this better than a taser? Yes. Yeah. But it's messier and it's longer. And it's not, a taser is effective, and it solves the problem right now. It creates more problems later. But the idea of persuasion, long-suffering gentleness means if your kid is struggling with pornography and you're trying to teach them about self-control, they're probably going to mess up more often than if you're going to completely lock down, never give them a phone, or never, never let them near a computer, or keep them in their room reading books. So it's messy, it's not as efficient. If we're gonna be shadow leaders to youth, or to YSAs, we're gonna give them enough freedom to do stupid things while they're learning. It's not as efficient, it's not as effective, and it's more time consuming. Does that make sense? But ultimately, you're raising people that are growing and learning and self-sustaining and love you for the freedom, and and they, they'll follow you out of love. They're not following you out of fear. Yeah, well, it's the opposite of
1: plan.
0: it is the opposite of Satan's plan. And the, and
2: it's not in
0: it's to yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's a good way right. to put it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, and so how do you respond to that? Because that's true. I am going to ground you, and that's going to feel like control, right? I am taking your phone away for a week because you were misusing it. But that's control, right? By your actions. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you chose me as a mother in the prayer <laughs> oh the big card <laughs> uh, and you take him out <laughs> yeah so uh, i think i think sometimes
1: we ourselves get a little confused when we think we're giving somebody freedom they yeah. already have that freedom yeah what we're doing is we're not choosing to usurp their freedom and and so yeah. we need to be aware how it feels as to what what we actually have to offer to give them. Yeah. And and uh, you know when they view that we're taking away their video games, they ought to be viewing that we are the one who provided them with right. access to the video games, and now we're not going to because of this. Not that not we're not blessing them because. They have not earned the blastic
0: front of an work on Is your thirteen year old gonna get that? Because it's exactly right. does get ex- that, he does want to. Right. La la la, I'm not gonna believe that. No, it's uh, you're still controlling. No, I love you. No, that doesn't feel like love to me. It will also be very upset and say, I'm getting in trouble though for
2: having functions and they'll
0: say, I can understand how it feels that way. I know. You're punishing me for the, doing the same thing that was done elsewhere? So ah. You're not getting any trouble for having emotions. You, you are experiencing you're experiencing because your emotions. actions were, right? Yeah, because you were choosing choosing to do something that ultimately is going to be destructive. I don't think it is destructive. I should I shouldn't have this, any kind of curfew at all. I should be able to what No, no. at 13. So, all right. Isn't that fun? All right, so let's keep going here then. So finally, (laughs) all this is the setup to Alma 17 and 18. Okay. Um, Let's see. Okay, this this one we've got. Um, Boy, there's so much here. Let's see how far we get. Uh, Okay, remember, this is the great coming together where uh, uh, Alma's coming down the road and here comes Ammon and their people and they're going to, they were he's gonna see that they're still his brethren in the Lord. they had waxed strong uh and everything we talked about last time, and then they're gonna say, okay, they, for fourteen years they'd been among the Lamanites, bringing them to a knowledge of God um, then we're gonna get their story now they're gonna try and understand they're fasting and learning much they're they're like joseph said they are trying to comprehend the things of god Uh, there's a lot of years guys when they were off the rails they weren't learning the gospel they were busy trying to figure out how to overthrow the church Uh, so they're learning they're growing they're getting better at at this Uh, and the lord is going to say unto them it's going to echo what we're hearing from liberty jail go forth among the lamanites verse 11 Uh, thy brethren, and establish my word. Uh, And yet ye shall be patient. Sometimes we're thinking, I I just have to be patient waiting. They're saying, no, you're going to, you might have to be patient in long suffering and affliction. Sometimes that patient is, this is, this is painful. Patient in long sufferings that you may show forth good examples. And I will make an instrument of thee in my hands and to the salvation of their souls. Okay, all right. So off they're gonna go. Uh, they're gonna separate themselves. Now, you gotta love Mormon's commentary at this point. Gotta love Mo- Mormon's commentary. Because here's a guy who spent all of his life fighting the Lamanites. He spent in, in war and and blood and horror and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and so you, you can kind of see Mormon's view of things, and it's pretty harsh. But it, I think it also um, echoes what the people, of the Nephites believed in the Lamanites. Now, let me, let me stop for a sec. One of the things that makes it hard to influence other people and, and lead them to salvation, we get stuck uh, in society. We can get stuck in the church. When we when we do what I call othering, we make we make a group of people the others. There is the us and there is the them. In World War II, there was the good guys and the Japs and the Nazis, them's. They're almost not even human when you start to them other people. And these these days, if it's like. I'm a Republican, then who's the others? It's the Democrats, you know, and the Democrats are like, we're the good guys and the others are the Republicans, you know, and and we get into this othering kind of things. Uh, Are you a, there's some struggles going on at BYU at the moment with who is the kind of teaching the true gospel and who's leading things astray. It's them. Are you thems or us? Oh, you're one of us's. Oh, good. You're thems. Not so good, because I know what you think, I know what you do, and I have to resist you and ignore you and all that, because it's the thems. And when we other, it makes it much harder to have some kind of contest of ideas. Okay, so what you're getting here is a sense of Mormon looking at this, and and you even heard uh, uh, King Mosiah saying this. You're going where to them? How do we see the Dems? How are the Lamanites? Well, they are a wild and hardened and ferocious people, a people who delight in murdering the, the Nephites and robbing and plundering. Their hearts are set on riches and gold and silver and precious stones, yet they... They obtain these things by murdering and plundering that they might not have to la- labor with their own hands or just dang lazy. And uh, they're indolent people. And many of them did worship idols and the curse of God had fallen upon them because the tradition of the Father, but they deserve what they get. If they're going to attack us. We're going to wipe them out. Our world will be better without Lamanites. Let's just destroy them. Which, by the way, the Lamanites end up doing, our world is better if we can destroy the Nephites. Because get rid of the conflict, life is better. Peace is when do we all think the same? Yeah.
1: So these perspectives are, the way they're written, they're talking about individuals, okay? But the way their hearts are, the way they're feeling, they're talking about cultures. And, and uh, so if we look at members of a group, and we think that every individual represents the culture. Right. Then we're confused. We need to recognize that individuals are individuals. Yeah. And, and they have a cultural background. And
0: cultural mores, the way our culture works. Did you see that in Hawaii? I mean was there b- between uh, the na- na- native Hawaiians oh, and yes, Hawleys? I
1: see it everywhere, but there's more of a clash yeah in Hawaii. Right. Between the native Hawaiians and the Hawies. Yeah. But the thing of it is is that most of the native Hawaiians are not native Hawaiians.
0: <laughs> right. Right. But they're but they do they bond all to the culture?
2: Oh yeah, big time. And and on the North Shore there was a big big movement before When the church tore, well, the church owned that hotel that was right outside of BYU. They flattened that to the ground, and they were going to build the Marriott that's there now. We were there when they flattened it. It took five years to even start the permitting process, yeah, because they, the native Hawaiians that aren't whatever, decided they didn't want any hotel there, not another hotel, yeah, and so there was all these. Protests, right? Keep the country, country.
0: But and 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 who came to the protest? It's it's us, the people that clearly understand.
1: Well, they—that's a legal thing. A contract law thing, and they already had legally got permission to build the replacement hotel before they tore down the other
0: hotel. Right. But But um, the ideology is
1: the country, country was is another thing. Is it's. really about uh, the money that the, the, the main people that were pushing it were people who had property that was uh, inhabitable uh-huh. in that area. And then the highway system there cannot sustain a whole bunch more traffic. And so they're wanting to keep the traffic. So, so some
0: That's of the right. ideology isn't exactly just straight up.
2: Some of it's just business.
0: Just business. I, I agree with that. Yeah.
2: When you work in the community, like, I I volunteered, I, I, I volunteered at the and Culture Center, which was a wonderful experience, yeah. and I volunteered at the temple, but I also volunteered at BYU Hawaii, and just being in the community, and the color of my skin, yes. I was a minority, Right. and it took me over a year to actually have people trust me, that I wasn't just, well, especially because we were landlords, we owned some so now you're property owner. Right. And so that was another thing. Why are you here? Why are you, why are you
1: Yes. So right.
2: That was a stigma that I had overcome to be out and amongst. So even the sisters in the temple would trust me because they just saw me as another colleague came in to take over. How did,
0: how did you earn their trust? By genuinely loving them. Okay. And putting them first. I had to put
2: them first. I had to accept their way of life. I could do things the way they did it, even if it was kind of foreign to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was hard. That was really hard to be able to like, you know, okay, this is what I've learned, but this is a new culture, a new way of doing things.
0: And as soon as they saw that you you loved them and you were willing to kind of adapt now they're trust you enough to have some some yeah, to have relationships.
2: Is. I mean I still have friends there that we're close with, I'm still oh with them. It just it took a while. It takes a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, she has some some friends that
2: when we left the islands, now we're strangers.
1: Because we left. So yes. We really thought we were going to stay. You know, you've been six years. You think you're going to be part of our
2: family, and now you left.
0: But because part of that part of that culture is you're not leaving, right? Right. You're staying. You, you're you'll be a part of this. And you're you're welcome Oh my gosh
1: stuff and think is about the
0: culture. It's not about and, and it. It should
1: be about Mosiah's
0: it. should. Recognized that have value. Can, can, can we say it different though? No. That because I believe by and large that many Nephites did believe that. Oh, what, yeah, what, did. What, what the sons of Messiah understood was exactly that. These are individuals
1: I'm, I'm not suggesting this misconstrues the way that society looked looking at yes, it.
0: Yes, yes. I'm just saying that it was wrong. Yes, and, it, it and was.
1: And this is why it was wrong. It's because it was culture against culture. Yes. Should have been, yeah. uh, individual embracing
0: individual. Yeah, and see, we would almost, almost take this. I mean, to, to say somebody is racist has so many different complicated stuff. But at a simple basis of, of racist, this is a bit racist. It's just, I'm not seeing the individual, I'm just seeing the culture and assuming everybody in that thing is that way. Yeah. It seems to me that
1: after he shares all that you know, in seems pretty reticent
2: to say, notwithstanding.
0: Notwithstanding. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah, that's why I say, I, I, I do believe Mormon might have been just a little jaded, or at the very least, He's reflecting what King Messiah and so many of the family members of these sons going, you're going on a mission where they're them. They're the bad. They're going to kill you as soon as you show because all Lamanites do that. Yes. And I have to. And the only way I'm going to find that out is over time. I'm going to see that you, the individual, are different from the stereotype that I believed. Okay, all right. So, I, I just, so you, 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 your story here is going to fit right into what's. Yeah. Yeah. The Book of Mormon was translated in 1830. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Everybody in this room is old enough to have recognized how our language has changed since they were in high
1: school. And that's not from 1830. I, well, there's one.
0: You mean like we're gonna have a gay old time?
1: I I would be surprised if they come out with a new English translation of the Book of Mormon. Okay. Oh yeah, you can't. They're not gonna likely translate the Book of Mormon into American English today. They didn't translate it into British English in the time, and they never have, and. And so we have to work with American English from the 1830s for our scripture. Uh, we get a lot of our other scriptures updated.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is unlikely
1: to happen.
0: I know. So we're
1: stuck with, and we have to recognize that the words they chose, they would have probably chosen different words in some instances if they were translating it today.
0: Brigham Young, well, Brigham Young said that. he. You know, he's talking about the Book of Mormon, he said, "If if Joseph, if the Book of Mormon had been translated another time, we'd have a different book." Which lends some credence to the idea of a loose translation. Which is, there were times as the as the thoughts are coming through Joseph's head that Joseph that the Lord is speaking Joseph's language, and that we're seeing some of that reflected. How much of that we don't know. All we can do is take the text as it sits. But I think that I think that's exactly right. Um, okay, so, um, boy, we could go into, there's so much we could go into, but uh, let's take the idea of what you're just talking about with Hawaii. So, so here's, here's Ammon, and he's, and he's going to come in, and uh, he's going to talk to Lamonite. Now, on the face of it, let's keep in mind, who is Ammon? He's the son of the king. That makes him a prince, right? Yeah. And that he's wielding a sword, primarily it says at the beginning, to, to preserve their life in in the wilderness and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And they're very careful. They had their swords. They brought their weapons so they could kill food.
1: But he, he probably has a really finely
0: like, crafted sword. Or, I th- or even the sacred See, and I think so too. Either this was either the... If if you're the if you're the crown prince, basically, this sword is either the sword of Laban, Laban, or it's possibly certainly a replica because we know that they were making them based on that. Okay, Um, and and so he probably has some way of demonstrating that he is he is the son of the king. Now that he's upper class. Yeah, because he, teaches from the he does. So so he's got records and he's got a sword and it's always the question. And we can go into this another time, probably will at any point along the way, are you going to use the sword or the word? It goes back to this idea of persuasion. You've got the sword, you've got the the word. Which one will you choose to use? Are
1: symbolic
0: of the orb or they, they are. Except. But it's also symbolic of a of an approach. Uh, do i am I going to come in and conquer with the sword or am I going to conquer with the word? And most of a lot of the Book of Mormon is times when the Nephites said, no, we'll use the sword. And that never turns out well. When they use the word, things go a whole lot better uh, because you've been invited in, okay? But look at this. So he's going to, so again, take the Hawaiian thing. You say, well, what are you doing here? Well, obviously you're the, Well, yeah, I'm the son of Messiah. Wow. Okay. Um, Hmm. 22. The king inquired of Ammon if it was his desire to to dwell among the lands of the Hawaiians or among the people. Okay. And Ammon says wisely. What? I desire to dwell among this people for a time, perhaps, to the day I die. I like it here. This, This is good stuff. And it... Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yes, because unless you kill me, then I won't be. Okay. 24. And it came to pass that King Lamoni was so pleased with Ammon, and he caused that his band should be loosed. And then a very kingly thing to do is to do what? Marry my daughter. Why? Does that make sense? Because that's how it works. That's what daughters are for, right? It's a political alliance to build power, and to build strength, right? Not, <laughs> he might have, he's a good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> See, but, um, I, I tend to look at this and say, okay, if you've if you got this guy that just walked in and he's the son of a king, I think the political alliance makes things so it's it's so good, yeah. It it certainly is, and but Ammon Ammon's gonna say, Nah, I'm gonna learn about your culture. I want to do it from the ground up. I don't want to. I don't have to be in charge. Uh, you know, I, th- th- there's a there's a side of me as a guy that looks off to the side and and here's the daughter over here. <laughs> you know, maybe he just was not that attracted to her. I don't know. But no, nah, I'll be a servant. <laughs> Thank you, but no. <laughs> i'll go shovel my door. <laughs> all right get in trouble here i know <laughs> sorry that's why i say it, it's, it's the guy way of looking at things sorry sisters i'm gonna i'm gonna pay for this so 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 bad <laughs> i'm not even taking that bait okay uh, so he says, no, I'm going to be your servant. And he became a servant to the to the king. Um, and and we, we know about these things, right? Well, one thing about this, though, in my mind, I've always pictured Lamoni and Ammon as peers,
1: like roughly the same age. And, and this, this kind of forces me to reconsider that. And uh, Lamoni is probably
2: 15 years older than Ammon yeah. or more.
1: And when they talk about Lamoni's father, they actually call him the old king.
0: Yeah, yeah, the older king, right? Okay. (laughs) What's that? Yes. He is, and I'm going to be taught by, right. Uh, And he's going to say, well, hold on, because I think it's submissive. I, I believe that. Uh, now, when they start scattering the flocks, uh, again, we know this story, so I'm not going to go in intense detail on this. But the, the the there seemed to be this game always of scattering the flocks and who gets it. And then Lamoni always responds by killing the people that weren't very good at following the flocks, right? And so when uh, Ammon's going to hear this, his heart is swollen within him for joy. He says, I'm going to show. Now, I I love this little. It isn't often we get inside what they're thinking. You know, the only one that maybe comes close to this is is some of uh, Nephi's ponderings when he's having to decide to use the sword of Laban to cut his head off. This, here's what I'm going to do. Here's why. I'll show my power unto these fellow servants and the power that's in me in restoring the flocks unto the king. I will win the hearts of my fellow servants. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to show that I'm a true servant. Uh, It's coming from from an honest, loving place. And these were the thoughts of Ammon. Um, And he says, Be of good cheer. They're going to scatter the flocks. yeah we're going to die, okay now, Ammon stood forth and began to cast stones with a sling first of all, he's doing the sling thing, uh, and he's still trying to do it at a distance, but he's being pretty effective, yeah, yeah, then they gathered it up again, right
1: It's all about rushing about here and there there and gathering the sheep and bringing them back to the waters I like that. The sheep and it's restoring the flock to the king. It is all about doing missionary work and I hadn't thought teaching, I hadn't thought of it that street, way, but you're right on. And the flock back to the king.
0: That is right on. Thank you, thank you. I, I, I wish I'd approached it that way. Uh, now they come forth to, uh, but but the words are kind of important here. We think that that Ammon is using a. His, a sword or replica and it could very easily be the sword right uh, but they came forth with clubs to slay him. Now uh, when uh, if, if, if the Book of Mormon does take place where we think it took place uh, then then this is one of those times that they came forth with clubs that's pretty accurate uh, and I've been and I looked for a long time about trying to find what the club might look like. Uh, until I actually had one in my hand. Okay. Let me, let me show you what the clubs look like. Uh, let's see. Ha. There it is. Because what they would do is they, they would take, if this is taking place in uh, Mesoamerica, that that is a Mayan club. And what it's got is is pieces of obsidian that have been uh, sewed in right along the edge of that. Uh, and and they have, there's tales that when the uh, conquistadores rolled into town and tried to conquer that they, they were actually able, it's a little gory, sorry about this, but uh, they would use these clubs. They could actually cut off the head of a horse that it rode in. It, it was that effective. Okay, so... That that is a that's a Mayan club. Okay. <laughs> sort of, or maybe the cricket is converted from. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
1: So they uh, in the islands they use shark's teeth on the edge.
0: So okay. Same thing to take a club with sure, sharks.
1: But, and, and so what it is? It's a wooden sword. Um, these are never as long as the sort of Layman would have been. Uh, that one that you have was extremely long.
0: It is, yeah, because um, they were always, they're usually about like that. And uh, obsidian
1: uh, can be flecked off sharper. I mean they they might still, but they certainly used to use obsidian scalpels because they could sh- get obsidian sharper than they could get stainless steel.
0: Wow. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty effective, right? Um, and then we're going to get that moment at the end of this. And I'm going to we're probably uh, maybe bring this to a close. And then, because I want it, the whole conversion process that comes next, I want to have the full time to, to do it. And we'll do that next week. Um, but he driven them far, they watered their flocks, and then they're going to bear the arms, which had been smitten off by the sword of Ammon. Okay, that, that's pretty gory. Uh, there've been some that suggested maybe they just brought the broken clubs. Uh, rather than actual physical arms.
1: Um, there are more references in the Book of Mormon to arms that represent armor. armor
0: yes, absolutely.
1: Guns, armaments,
0: yes, armaments. armaments. And,
1: and, and he says he only killed six, plus, well, you know, by the sling and one by the sword. You cut off people's arms, more than six are going to die.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So it makes more sense to me if you're, if you're picturing him with a with some kind of a steel sword or metal sword and they're raising these clubs he could easily he could easily defend because at the end of the day my sense is is that uh, that Ammon was always looking for an opportunity to do it in a nonviolent sort of way and he only used violence as he needed it Uh, and this makes more sense if he was just wiping out the clubs then they could bring all of these clubs to the, the king so okay is that, is that question so far? I mean, I, I realize we're stopping right in the middle of the story, but I want to have plenty of time, and I don't want to in just the time we got left. We need to now because next week I want to start going through what we just talked about, how you influence somebody, and you're going to see how Ammon, Ammon's uh, the way that he approaches it and the way that he says it, uh, how effective that was, and why it is that that was able to influence not just a little change was was the change among the the lamanites sustainable they kept those changes yeah but but we're also going to hear from mormon once these guys converted they never did fall away now obviously there were going to be some that did right but by and large these guys never fall away and then when we get the final battles between the lamanites and nephites where where are the anti Nephi Lehi's? They go north. Other than some of the battle, some of their sons, but at the end of that, as it gets really bad, they start leaving. They start going north. They're getting out of there. Okay, and they stay true all the way through. So, all right, is that plenty for today? Comments, questions to this point. This is like a two part. Season finale. You can
1: you? is going north, so then you're suggesting that when the United or when the United States was formed, and we're running all the Lamanites out of the, <laughs> the uh, Indian territories, so that they might have not been Lamanites; they might have been anti Nephi as well. But,
0: I think there. We get into where the anti. I think we found the. You nibly believed that we'd found the anti Nephi Lehi. He believed that they were the Hopi, the, the Hopi and the Anasazi, But that's discussion for another time. So, all right. Well, brothers and sisters, I, I just think there's again there's so much meat in here, uh, and I really do love the the idea that symbolically the gathering of the sheep and bringing them together, preserving it for the king, uh, really has some some salience on that. That's worth taking a look at. So, um, I bear you my testimony again that. Uh, However we got the Book of Mormon uh, and how much of this is in Joseph's language and how much of this is in uh, the exact word for word uh, almost doesn't matter. What matters is what we got and then we take it right at its, its face value and you can see it for what it is. Uh, bearing my testimony that it's true and I leave that with you in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let's see. Brent, can we get a closing prayer from you? And thank you for joining us for another Monday morning class. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions about future topics that we could discuss, or if you had any questions concerning something that you heard in the class, please drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. As always, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please come in and join us on a Monday morning. We'd love to see you and identify who you are. If the podcast itself is resonating with you, go ahead and click subscribe uh, so that Apple can figure out where we are. We'd love to, to hear from you. So again, thank you for coming, and we'll see you for another Monday morning class.